The reading of today will be from Philippians 1, verse 12 to 30, which can be found in the Church Bible on page 117. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in change. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Yeah, let's, uh, let's say a prayer. Thanks, uh, Jürgen, for reading through it uh, for, for us. Uh, let's say a prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, um, yeah, we just ask that if we look at this section of the Bible, this um, description of what uh, Paul went through, uh, but uh, more than a description, Lord, this um, vision that he's explaining to the church a long time ago in Philippi, we pray that as we kind of tune into that, that uh, you give us the vision you want us to have as a church, as people here in the city of London in the 21st century, that we would see things as you see things, that we would see our lives as you see our lives, and that that would shape the way we live, and we pray that we might be people who live for you. So be speaking to us, be working in us and amongst us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So how have the first three weeks of the new year been for you? I know, three weeks already. Gosh, I don't know how you answer a question like that. How's how's it going? How's your week? How's the first three weeks of the year been for you? How do you measure how they've gone? How, How do you measure what makes a good day? Or a good week or a good year? If you get to the end of 2018, and uh, what would you, lead you to say, oh, it's been a really good year because dot, dot, dot. Maybe um, you've had really good relationships with the people in your life, or you got a pay rise, or you passed an exam, or your children or grandchildren got into the school that they really wanted to get into, or you didn't murder your boss at any point in the year. Are those the things that make for a good year, a good week for you? Do you see what it is for Paul? Do you see what really matters according to him? Look down to verse 18, would you? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice, he says. What matters most in life, says Paul, other people hearing about Jesus. And he's not saying that because everything for him is going swimmingly. Uh, His circumstances are, well, they've banged him up in the first century equivalent of Wormwood Scrubs prison. Uh, And actually, it's a lot worse than a modern prison. Uh, In Roman days, they didn't provide food for prisoners. Uh, That was uh, your friends and family provided food for you, and if they didn't, then you starved, and there was one less problem for them to worry about. Uh, it wasn't a modern prison with, a, uh, with, a, with a, a bed to lie on or a toilet to use. Uh, verse 13, 14, he's in chains, uh, cast iron rough shackles that would dig into the skin and what with a lack of hygiene, no doubt he would get sore and infected in no time at all. If I was writing a letter from those kind of circumstances, I'd say, please church in Philippi, please church St. Helens, pray for my release. That's what I'd be writing, wouldn't you? Or pray, pray, please send me some food. <laughs> um, and Paul's not saying that those things, he's not saying that those things don't matter, oh yeah, I love it here. He's not saying that. But he's saying that what matters most is people hearing about Jesus. And that's happening, so he rejoices. It's quite a way to see the world, isn't it? Quite a way to see your life in the world. What gives him such a clear perspective? Well, if we look back to verse 10, just before uh, Yoyan started us reading from last uh, time we looked at this, he talks there in verse 10 about the day of Christ. A day when he says, we're going to need to be, we're going to want to be pure and blameless on this day of Christ. And cutting to the chase, he's talking about Judgment Day. And if we go to the end of what we read, verse 28, it's the day when those who oppose God and God's people uh, will be destroyed, according to verse 28. It's going to be a terrifying day. But equally, those who stand firm in their faith in Christ will be saved by God. It's going to be a wonderful day, a day of salvation, the day of Christ. That future day is coming. And so Paul, as he writes these things, he's not some sort of super-Christian, a different breed of human than you or me. He's just someone who understands things really, really clearly. 
and he sees his life in the light of, well, there's going to be this day that's going to happen in the future and Christ is going to sort everything out and everyone out. He's going to judge us all. And wonderfully on that day, because of his mercy, Paul realises he's going to be saved. And so can anybody who puts, puts their faith in Christ. And so Paul says, well, in the light of that day, nothing can be more important than other people hearing about Jesus Christ. And he shares his life motto in verse 21. It's, it's wonderful. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a motto, what a mindset. For me to live is Christ. He's the centre of everything in my life. And when one day it's my turn to die, whether it's in this prison, says Paul, or he's hoping to get out, well, one, one day when I die, well, that's, that's going to be even better than living for Christ now. Uh, there's something about being on death row, which he was, that sharpens the mind. Um, but he's, he's got it clear because he's saying, listen, I know Jesus, or through God, through his mercy, I do know God through Jesus. And so I have now something that cannot die, that can't be damaged, that cannot be beaten out of me by a Roman guard. A relationship with God that is so satisfying that nothing else in the world can compare, that he can even delight in God in a Roman prison. And a security in his relationship with God that is so solid that he can be content in every and any circumstance. That's what it is to know Jesus Christ, to really know him. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Well, how about us? How are we getting on? How do you react to that? How, how do I react to that? If you ask your friends and family, or if you thought yourself, what, what's the thing you live for? What, what in practical terms matters most to you in your life? For me to live is, for some people it's football, bizarrely, uh, although it's a great game. Football, family, well that's better isn't it, living for family than living for football, but um, car, that's a Sunday occupation for some people isn't it, career, garden, grandchildren, what matters most to you? Can you see that if the answer isn't the same as Paul, what matters most is Christ, then whatever you're leaving for, even something as wonderful as family, is only for now, only for this life, only temporary. Can we see that? And God wants us to know this relationship with him that will last forever that is permanent and secure and solid and means that actually we're better uh, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, members of families because we know a God who loves us unconditionally and we begin to reflect that more and more. You see, of course the other things that I listed matter. Football's debatable, but they don't matter the most or they shouldn't do for a Christian when we've discovered that relationship with God, that friendship with God through Jesus, we're going to have a whole weekend focusing on that. We've discovered so, there's something sweeter than anything else in the world and so secure that nothing can take it away. The Christian life isn't really that complicated. It can be summed up as knowing Jesus and making him known.
That's what matters most. Living for him, speaking for him. Of course, when we know it, we want everyone else in our lives to know it too. We want our neighbours to know it. We want our colleagues to know it. That he's the saviour for the world. Even if we get thrown in prison like Paul did. So let's look again at Paul. Let's look at him in a bit more detail to see how he was in prison because I think it's a great... um, It's great things to learn from just his example that he explains here. So if you go back to verse 12... He doesn't panic when he gets locked up. He's in chains and he sees the opportunity of that. He thinks, aha, I'm in chains and there's people who come on a shift pattern to guard me. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Brilliant. I get a new guard every how many hours it was. And so everyone, they, they, they come on to duty and um, he strikes up a conversation. Hello, have they told you why I'm here? I'm here because I'm a preacher. Because God in heaven has sent his own son into the world to save us all. Do you know about that already? And so the conversation goes on with that guard and then goes off duty. The next guard comes on and so Paul goes for it again and again and again. And so the whole palace guard has heard about the gospel. And no doubt on their tea break they're saying, have you guard that weirdo prisoner yet? I mean, have you talk- do you believe what he says? And everyone's talking about it. And so Paul says, even in prison, I'm delighting that the gospel's spreading. And I'm sure in Philippi, that one of the first people to become Christians was the Philippian jailer, if you read, it, read through the book of Acts. And I'm sure he was reading this thinking, go for it, mate. That's fantastic. That's how I heard through a prisoner who was a Christian who told me. Well, verse 14, not only had Paul been speaking to people about Jesus, actually his uh, other Christians had, had, had reacted really well to him being put in prison. I mean, you could imagine other Christians thinking, gosh, Paul's in prison, we'd better run away and hide and be really, really quiet. But it was a much better reaction. It's more like a sort of the spirit of the blitz. I don't know if you've seen the film yet, his, The Darkest Hour. But that's, you know, it's the spirit of the blitz that got us through our darkest hour, isn't it? We kind of came together and we... We kind of had backbone and we stood up and, and that's what Christians were doing. Up until this point they'd been a bit, oh, I'm not really sure, I should talk to my friends, my colleagues about Jesus, don't know what they'll think. But Paul's courage was contagious. They realised as he was banged up in jail, well, what's the worst that could happen? We could die and go to heaven and that would be better still. So come on everyone, let's talk about Jesus. And verse 15, notice there were some pretty crazy mixed up motives. But it doesn't matter, says Paul, as long as people are hearing about Jesus, that's what really matters. So I rejoice. Well, what do you think about that way of living? Having that as the centre of your life? I can see that sometimes in my life, that it is there. And uh, it is brilliant to think, actually, my life today as I wake up, my life, 2018, my life for the rest of my life, it's actually, you know, the relationship with Jesus is the most important thing and the relationships with others, I love, I'd love for them to know Jesus too. Uh, because actually that is the, the only way of life, if you think about it, that death can't destroy and bring an end to because you're investing in the one relationship that lasts forever and you're encouraging all your friends and family to do the same to discover him to discover how wonderful he is 
your colleagues, your neighbours. And then, actually, you live life well for him in a way that has joy when you are sharing it with others. And then when you die, you meet him face to face, the one you've been living for in this life. For me to live is Christ, says Paul, and to die is gain. Um, a while ago, someone recommended this book to me, uh, Warriors of Ethiopia. Um, I've been um, reading it uh, bit by bit. Um, it's a story of um, the spread of the gospel in Ethiopia, um, sort of second half of the 20th century. It explains why there's a big Ethiopian congregation here, actually, uh, some of the things that were happening, written by an Australian missionary, a guy called Dick McLennan. Uh, in chapter 4, he tells, tells the story of a young man who came to him one day, having had a long journey on foot, Kiba, uh, covered in dust. And as he uh, met Dick McLennan, he had tears running down through the dust on his face. And he asked Dick, my father died for Jesus Christ, didn't he? His father was a guy called Minota, who welcomed the evangelists when they first brought the news about Jesus to the Gopher Mountains. Their message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, freedom from fear, God's gift of eternal life. Minota embraced wholeheartedly. He received that. And was a changed man. He was one of the first men in that area to renounce Satan publicly, to follow Jesus. He's told all his neighbours. He gave a piece of land that he had so a a house of prayer uh, could be built there for meetings. And so the gospel spread in that uh, Gopher Mountain regions uh, and um, these prayer houses sprung up in different places and the Orthodox priests heard about it uh, and uh, became jealous and stirred up persecution against these new Christians. They uh, had influence in society. They pressurised the governor and the chief of police to arrest the evangelists and expel them from the province. And the result was that um, the police, when they came, there was a violent crowd with them. It meant that many of the Christians were beaten up and all of the men were taken away and put in prison. In prison at night... Minota would lead the believers in songs of praise to the Lord. And by day, he would uh, do his best to explain the kingdom of heaven to prisoners and to guards alike. And that meant that he got singled out for especially cruel treatment. One guard in particular uh, hated him, eventually uh, chained him up, dragged him out into the uh, open area, Uh, outside that they used as a toilet and threw him into the filth. He was left there for three weeks, getting weaker and weaker until he was barely conscious and desperately sick. The guard taunted him. Now will you renounce your Jesus? Deny him and you can go free. And Minota had just enough strength to respond. I was lost in sin and darkness. I had no hope. Jesus, the Son of God, shed his blood on the cross for me. He saved me and gave me new life. I can never deny him. And with that, the guard exploded with anger and started kicking Minota with the heavy boots he was wearing 
and it killed him. But like Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now the reason I told you that story is not only the way he died, which is heroic, but also the way he lived. The way he just told his neighbours, gave what he could so there would be a place of prayer. And it just puts us back to the question, what about us? It's, in some ways it's kind of, it's less clear for us, you know, no one's threatened to kill us because we're Christians. It's more of a kind of, it's a challenge of getting distracted all the time, I think, for us in modern Western world. You know, there's loads of things in our lives that compete to be the number one in our lives, don't they? The centre of attention. What matters most, though, is still the same as it was for Minota and the other heroes that this book writes about. It's still the same as it was in the first century. What matters most is knowing Christ and making him known to others. So I just try to think about how does this work for us? How about the Christian grandparents in our congregation? However she feels or he feels um, they did with their own children. She, she, she wants to treat the Christian grandma. She wants to teach her grandchildren about Jesus. So before she sees them, she'll be praying, Lord, please, would, you, would I be able to share something of, my, of you with, with my grandchildren, with my family, with, with my priorities, with the way I spend my time, the way I spend my money, would that be a, a gentle testimony to my kids? Um, as uh, they, as I share my life with them, would you? She'll, she'll be buying books, won't, won't she? And she'll be sort of telling stories. And would you help me to speak, Lord, about my life, about you, about my friendship with you, in a way that will help the rest of my family to discover something more of you? Maybe she'll bring her children to church with her. Encourage, um, sorry, her grandchildren to church with her. Maybe she'll encourage her children to take. Uh, their uh, kids to church like she once did with them because she's researched a good one near them that's uh, me imagining what it's like to be a Christian grandma how about um, Sunday morning and friends and family organise something really lovely a really fantastic get together what do we say should we say something like well I'd love to, I'd love to be there I'd love to see everyone because the friends the family we have they really matter But we know that what matters most is Jesus in our lives. And so we say, I'd love to be there. Listen, I'll join you after church. Or in fact, why don't you come with me to church and we'll go on together. Or maybe you're part of a a lunchtime service uh, near where you work. Or you're part of one of the life groups. And gosh, it takes time out of the day, doesn't it? It's a sacrifice to stop work knowing you're going to have to come back to it later or to leave the pub before other people do because, well, that time at work, that's, that really matters the time with colleagues, that really matters but what matters most? Knowing Christ being at that life group to encourage the other members in their faith and to be encouraged, to receive spiritual food so you can live for Jesus through the week and perhaps as colleagues, see your priorities and your time and how you spend that time, how you spend your money and and choices you make in your life that that will lead to opportunities to speak about why Jesus means so much to you 
Our specific mission uh, is this part of North Kensington. Oh, bother, I still didn't bring it out. It's in the office. There's a, um, a map, um, but actually, if you know the area, you can imagine it. Uh, there's a, uh, the way the Church of England works. They give every church a parish, just a, a kind of area. And if you go to the north, it's the canal and the railway line there. If you go to the south, it's just south of Westway, around where the estate starts. And then it goes up St Mark's Road and sort of roughly um, uh, Wood Lane and Wormwood Scrubs. Oh, actually, it's the railway line there as well. But. And many of us here in this room live either in that area or very close to that area, which is why this is our church. And so the Church of England has decided that, but we recognise that God's above all things. So it means that God has given us a particular mission to share with the people who live in that area, our area, or the area we used to live in if we've moved out a bit. He's given us a particular mission to share with people in our area the good news about him. And that's why we're going to do this uh, event in uh, uh, two and a half weeks' time, actually, uh, beginning of February, uh, thinking about friendship with God for a whole weekend with a variety of different things that we can invite people to join us for. And uh, I'll, I'll say more about these cards in a minute. But that's, that's why, because we want to refresh ourselves to think about our friendship with God. There'll be lots of fun things to do that we can invite and include neighbours and friends and family and, and so on. Uh, now, we can't possibly get to know everyone in that sort of rectangle of, of, of houses between now and the 8th of February, but we'll know some people. So who are we praying for that we can invite along? Long term, though, we do want to get to know everyone in that rectangle. And so we'll be thinking, what is it for me? What, should, what can I do to get to know people? I mean, is, it, is it actually that I get involved in some of the response to the Grenfell Fire tragedy? Um, is, is that the way, actually, I'm just going to do something good in the neighbourhood and I'll get to know my neighbours as I do that? Is it something where, actually, I just think, well... You know, for many years, Pat White, um, the wonderful Pat, has been our representative at the bowling club. In fact, she ran the whole thing. But Pat's not going to be doing so much much bowling, is she, in the uh, year to come? Okay. Which of us wants to take it up? Who's going to go and be the St. Helens person at the bowling club, enjoying bowling and sharing Christ as they do it? That might not be the old thing, but it might be. Um, it might be you get more involved in the residence association. I've ended up on the committee to uh, get involved there because I want to get to know my neighbours, our neighbours. What is it for you? Is it your next door neighbours? Is it kind of every now and again getting everyone in the flat together or all the flats together and saying, come on, let's have a meal together. Let's actually, rather than just saying hello as we go past each other, let's actually say hello to each other for a whole evening. And that feels quite a risky thing to do, but why not? Why not? I'm throwing it out there. What does it mean to live for Christ, for us, in modern London? Those are some of my ideas. What are your ideas? What's God calling you to do as part of it? What would make for a good 2018? What would make for a good life? to know Christ and to make him known. That's what matters most. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain.
Amen.